0: Ferris B'nai Torah presents the Shmuz, an engaging and motivating Musr and Hashkafah series that deals with real-life issues. Zion opens up, Esther Hamalka, and the king and Haman came to drink with Esther Hamalka the girl makes a dik in the Pasuk, that here, in this party, it says, In this party it says they came to drink with Esther, whereas by the first party it only says that the king and Haman came to the party that Esther made, and the reason was because the first party Esther apparently was still yoshe Betainus. She was still fasting, hence she did not drink at that first party. But this is the second day, this is after the three days of fasting. At this party she actually drank, and at this party she was to make her request. Pasug Bay says, And the king said to Esther also, on the second day in the Mishteh Hayayin, Ma she Esther Malka, what is your question, Esther Malka? lach, it will be granted, it will be given to you. Um Ma what is your request? Hamalchus Vateas up until half of my kingdom, and it will be given to you. It says in Vilna Golan, the expression She'ela and Bakasha are two different things. She'ela refers to what is your question, what do you wish for yourself personally? Ma seich, what are you requesting, what are you requesting for others? Meaning, if you're having a request for yourself, if it's for others, anything you want, and up until half of my kingdom, and it's yours. Now let's please note, that this is the third time, that Ahasuerus is saying the exact same expression to Esther Malka. Now, the way kings worked, certainly in Ahasuerus' kingdom and previously as well, there was a rule that a king was never Chhozer al-Devorov. A Hadyot, a regular person, could say something retracted, it was considered highly dishonorable. If the king said something, he kept his word, the if the king says he's going to be okatari, oh, he's going to uproot a mountain, the king will undo that. Therefore, the king said he'll, he'll destroy and build a base. I think we trust him in that sense. The problem is that Ahasuerus is saying something foolish here. He's offering an open-ended deal. Whatever you want, your bakasha for yourself... Michele Diazabia because of others mamish up, up until half of my malchus, I'll give over to you apparently this is just one more expression of his Sort of almost irrational love. In other words, he fell in love with Esther and had this sense about him that was just beyond the normal Derach The Gro explained to us earlier that the love he felt was before he was in Nasachin. It was just an unnatural. Hashem implanted a love in his heart for Esther and he offered her whatever he wanted. Keep in mind, even if she requested something that would be much in his disinterest, he would have to grant it. But he said this words: Esther Amalka and the Queen Esther answered Tomer and she said, if I found favor in the eyes of the king, in your eyes, the king, v'imal and if it's good to the king, tinastin you'll grant my life with my request, va'ami b'bakashosu, and my nation with the bakasha. It is very worth reading how careful she is in her wording. If it's good for the melech, and if I've found favor in the king's eyes, she's using very good peopling skills, very careful in the way she expresses herself to get the king to actually agree to this. Says Pasigdalan, King because I am sold myself and my nation, Lahashmid Laharog ulabe, to be killed. To be obliterated and to be destroyed. Had we been sold for slaves and maidservants, I would have been silent. The enemy does not care about the damage to the king. Says Rashi, I'll show you what a maneuver this person is. This person not only decided to kill me and my nation, this person does not even care for the good of the king. If he cared for the good of the King, what would he have done? He would have sold my nation as slaves. Is a natural value, an entire nation being sold as slaves is a tremendously valuable process. He doesn't care about the damage to the king. He didn't even sell us as a, to, to be sold for slavery. He just wants to kill us out. He doesn't care about the nezek amelach. He doesn't care about the damage he does to the king's to the king's personal benefit. And the king Achashverosh said, "Vayomer Esther and he said to Esther Malka the Gemara makes an observation that there's a double lushan, Vayomer 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 Melech Vayomer Esther Malka Rashi brings down Any time you have a Lashon like this it's to teach us a Drasha what is a Drasha here? the Drasha was that up until this point he only spoke to her Ayyadeh Shliach with a Maturgaman, says the Gemara a translator Akshav, now that he knew that she's from Mishpachas she's from king's families, she spoke directly to her. Basically, at this point, Esther tells Ahasuerus the big secret. The secret he's been requesting for five years. What's your nation? What's your people? What family? Says Esther Malka, I am Jewish. Not only am I Jewish, I'm a direct descendant of the kings. Shaul HaMelech is my family when Ahasuerus finds this out, not only isn't he angry, not only doesn't he want to kill his queen, but he's very, very happy. He finds out that his wife is from royal lineage, and this changes his demeanor. Now, it's hard for us, being brought up in Western society, to relate to this, but there was a time when societies had things called a caste system. There were layers and stratas. You would not speak to a person below you, and a person below that, and below that. There were various levels of, of hierarchy in society. In those days, a king would not speak to a commoner. When I say not speak, that means he would not speak to a commoner. If a commoner, a non royal person would come in, that commoner would speak to a translator, even though it was the same language, that translator would then speak to the king, the king would speak to the translator, and then that translator would repeat it back to the commoner. For five years, Ahasuerus married Esther in year seven of Melucha, we're now standing in year twelve, for five years, this man did not speak directly to his wife. He would speak to her through a maturgament, through a translator. That translator would speak to her, and she would speak back and forth and back and forth. Now, I'm not sure if when they were intimate, it was also the same. I don't know. But certainly in any public forum, he would not speak directly to the queen. Why? Because he might have loved her. He might have given anything for her. But she was not from royal lineage. And therefore, he would not speak directly. Once she reveals that that she is from Shol HaMelech's lineage, oh... You're from royal kingdom now, it's Vayomer, Vayomer he speaks directly. It's interesting to note, and as people think how great it would be to be a king, you see what it means to be caught up in the royal, covet-seeking uh, stratas of, of uncomfortable behaviors. In any case, at this point, so the king Ahrefer says, Me huzeve who is this person? Who would dare to do such a thing? Now it's difficult to understand what is his great shock, meaning he is the one who gave permission to Haman to send the He is the one who gave over his signet ring. He is the one in whose name the gazer the, went out. But now he's shocked. Me Who is this, this wicked person? Vatome Esther, and Esther said, Isar v'oyev, a wicked and evil person. Haman harahaze, Haman this bad man. Haman was crestfallen, was embarrassed because of the king and the queen. Now, the Gemara is very clear that Esther did something here that's difficult to understand. When Ahasuerus said, Who is the man who had the arrogance, the audacity to dare to kill my queen? Esther picked up her hand and pointed to Ahashverush and said, The wicked, evil man pointing to Ahasuerus. The Malach came and pushed her hand over, at which point when her hand now pointed to Haman, then she completed the sentence differently than she intended. She then completed the sentence with the words Haman Hara hazeh. Now, the Gemara is quite difficult to understand. After all said and done, Esther is now coming in to beseech mercy for herself and her nation. She is also very, very careful in her wording. Im Tov, vim She's very skilled in the exact terminology and wording to appease this man. Yet here she does something that's so blatantly against any wisdom. She points to Achashverosh and says, "It's Esarvayev." as if to say, "You, you, Russia." Obviously, it's quite difficult to understand. Now, this is a major problem. Most of the most of the deal with why she would do this the gross says something very very telling it's a little i'm not sure how satisfying in in and of itself but there's a tremendous lesson to learn from the Gros says the Gros says that actually whenever tzaddikim spoke to kings they would speak to the king in a physical sense but they were niskavi and they had a mind of speaking to hashem and apparently she, uh, again, the girl seems to imply that she got lost, so to speak, and she was talking to Hashem, and she was speaking Dimei Emes, and even though it would have slipped out of her tongue, apparently that's how the girl learns. Whether it's easy to understand that or not, one thing you see from the girl, that these people were on a totally different level. Not only wasn't she... You know, normally, if a person comes into a wealthy man's to ask the stucco, we're so overwhelmed by their importance or their presence, that we forget about Hashem. Here, she walked in, says the Groan, she forgot about Ahasuerus. She so much saw Hashem and everything she did, and she so much understood that everything's in the hand of Hashem, she forgot about the mortal element. In any case, it is difficult to understand, but she said this, at which point the malach pushes her hand and then she says the words Haman Arazeh. Now the Pasik is very clear that Haman was Nivas, was embarrassed from the Melech and the Malkah says the girl, the reason is had the Melech been alone, he could have excused himself. Had the Malkah been alone, he could have excused himself. But when they were both together, he was stuck. Why? Had the Malkah been there alone and not the king, had he been let's say just she accused him, he would have said, Oh my goodness you're from the Jews, oh I didn't really mean what I said against the Jews, I, I never would have said it, and of course I love the Jews. But the problem is the Melech was here, and the Melech knew that he hated Jews as much as 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 anything. If in fact only the Melech was here, and not the Malka, he could have said as follows, he could have said, oh yes, the Queen, I never knew the Queen was Jewish, I never would have spoken against her, but those wicked people, it's just they that's wicked, but not, not the individual Malka. But the nace was brought about. Hashem put a thought into Esther's mind to bring both the Melech and the Malka together with Haman. So that Haman would have no ability to excuse. Keep in mind, up until this point he was prime minister. He had the great favor of Ahasuerus' eye. He might well have been able to speak his way or wheedle his way out of it. But because they were both there, he had mamish nothing to say. He had no opening. At this point, if a Melech came to Hamasol, the king got up in his fury. Apparently he was mamish, mamish, infuriated. To kill my queen, he saw red, he got up from he stood up from Mishtayayin al Gina Sabisan, to the garden in front of the, to the garden place in front of the palace. Lohaman al got up to ask for his life from Esther Amalka. Now, this Gina Sabisan is very interesting. From the days of kings, kings used to have separate gardens. If anyone remembers Prince Charles, when he was first married to Princess Diana, there was a lot of noise in the tabloids because Prince Charles had a small garden that was the prince's garden. And one day he walked there and the princess was, wanted to accompany him. And he said, you can't go here, this is only the prince is allowed here. And that was apparently a rule in the monarchy. And Princess Diana was all upset and it became a whole big hubbub. But from days of yore, there was a a custom that a king had a special place where only the king was allowed. Ahasuerus had his Gina Sabisan, which the Targum explains to us, was actually a beautiful garden in which he planted miniature trees. It was a very elaborate, very ornate, beautiful garden that was his private domain. No one else was in there. He's so furious, his king, his queen, who he loves beyond words, he finds out that this man who he thought... Was plotting to kill him together with his queen. He thought she was having an affair with Haman. Actually, it turns out that Haman not only is trying to kill me, but he's trying to kill my queen as well. He gets up in his fury and he walks out into his Gina Sabisan to cool off. Now, if you note, the next Possex says, the posse of Zion says, The king, here we said the, the king got up. The next Pesach says, uh, The king came back from the garden. The Gemara makes a diak. If he went out to the garden, obviously he came back from the garden. Why does the second Pesach have to repeat to me he came back? Says the Gemara, from here you understand that what happened was that Hashem sent the Malachi Asharis. When Ahasuerus walked into his beautiful Alamberi garden, he sees the place is wrecked. And he sees a man digging up with a shovel, digging up the few remaining trees. And and Achachir screams at him, What are you doing? Who told you to do this? Who told me to do this, sir? Uh, Haman. Haman asked me to destroy the garden, sir. I'm sorry, why are you asking, sir? At which point he comes back more infuriated. He got up to leave Bechamaso. He comes back Bechamaso. In the meantime, what's happening at this point is Haman understands that. He understood Homan understood that the damage, the bad thing was coming to him from the king, not from Akashvirush, that's obvious, from Hammelah from Hashem. At which point Haman understands that he's in, in deep and dire trouble. Homan gets up, Lovakesh al Nafso me Esther Malka, he gets up to beg from Esther Hamalka. He knows that he's in serious trouble. He knows there's only one hope that if he could possibly to convince Esther and Malkin. Now the Gro explains that he actually had a geval to getaina. Esther, please understand, I never knew you from the Jewish stock. I never would have made such a degree against a Jew. He starts pleading for his life. At which point, Ahasuerus is out there in the Gines of He sees all the trees dug up. He sees the Malach. He comes back as furious as he left. He comes to Melech Shav The king returns from the courtyard of Beis into the house of the drinking... V'haman no fell alamita. Haman is falling on the mita. The loshen is not Haman fell. Haman no fell, loshen hove. The Gemara says actually what happened was, in those days the people used to eat, similar to when we eat Haseba, when we eat on, on Pesach, we eat Haseba leaning down. In the times, of, in the olden days, people used to eat lying down, reclining on the couch. The queen was reclining on the couch. Haman stood up to ask Rachmim, at the moment when Achashverosh is about to come in the guinness from back from the garden in back into the throne room, a malach come and, comes and pushes Haman down, literally physically on top of the queen. Haman sees he's physically on top of the queen. He tries to get up. The malach pushes him back down. He tries to get up, push down, back forth, back and forth. And with all this activity, in walks Achashverosh, and he sees that Haman is attempting to rape the queen. At which point he says the words you're also going to capture the queen with me in the house. You're going to rape the queen. Mamish, as I'm here. And that's what the public says. Haman's falling on the meter. The king sees it. The words came out of the king's mouth. And the face of Haman dropped. He understood it was over. He was nixed. There was no hope. Now at this point, the plot thickens one more step one of the Sarisim in front of the Melech said now Charvona actually was a good friend of Haman he was in the group of Haman and yet he saw something amazing. He saw Lahapachu. He sees Mordechai from being, instead of pulling the horse, being on top of the horse. He sees the anger of the king. The king comes back. He sees Haman being caught in the act of what looks like raping the king. He sees the fury of the king and he recognizes that Haman's days are numbered. So according to the Gra, Chavona says, In your majesty, not only is he trying to rape the king, he's trying to rape the queen, he's trying to kill the king. And I'll show you. Do you know that there is a 50 amah tall gallows that he placed to kill the king's one friend, Mordechai? He said to unto Haman." Here's a tree that Haman made to Mordechai. Mordechai spoke well on the king. Omeh bebeis Haman is standing in Base Haman. Tall 50 amahs. Chavonah said he's not only trying to kill Mordechai, he's also trying to kill the king. At which point there was enough evidence, enough fury on the part of More, of Allah of the King said, hang him upon that tree, hang Haman. The turn of events was so rapid and so quick that no one could have anticipated it, no one could have expected it. Remember, the entire turnaround of from the destruction of the Klein Israel to the salvation of the Khanistral really happened within maybe twelve hours. It's the day before when Esther comes together with Haman to this party, and the request at that point is only come to the next party the next day. Nada d'ashnas hamelach was that night. Sometime during that evening, the king wakes up. At that point in the evening, he tells Haman, "Take Mordechai on the sus. That next day, mamish somoch, Mordechai has to pull. Mordechai is pulled on top of the sus. by Haman. Has to pull him. That right after that event comes the, the party in this gina's and... Within literally a few hours, the entire turnaround happens, and Haman is told told to hang Haman. Pasuk Yud says, is Haman al eight They hung Haman on the tree. that was prepared for Mordechai. Hamas the anger of the king was forgotten. Now the Gemara makes a The Hamelach there's a double chaf, a very unusual lashon. Never before says the Gaurav, never before in all of Nach have we seen such a Loshan. And actually, the Gaurav says that up until now, the anger of the king was not forgotten. says the Gaurav, this refers back to the original anger that he felt when Vashti sent the word. In year three of his Meluchot, nine years earlier, Vashti sent angry words, sent embarrassing words to Hashverish, and the, the king was very angry. That anger apparently remained up until this point. It may have been low grade, but there was a certain anger, a certain unrest within the heart of the man up until this point. He had no peace. He had no peace until this point, until he said Haman should be killed. Then Vachamas, samelach shechacha, only then was it forgotten. Now, it's beautiful to read, and, and I'm going to spend just a moment reading my second favorite part of the Megillah. And that's brought down by the Targum Shani. And that is when Haman is told he's to be killed. But the Pesach doesn't tell us who is the one to kill him. The Targum Shani explains that it wasn't just that is said to kill Haman. But actually is told Mordechai, go kill Haman. The Nakama was to be complete. So Mordechai is given the mission from the king to kill Haman. And Haman begins a very ignoble Request for Rachamim. Now it's amazing because he knows he's dead. He knows there's no way he's going to live, but listen to the words. Avakesh Mimcha says the Targum Shaini, I beg from you, Mordechai at Sadiq, you righteous Mardukhai, si do not hang me as they do the lowly people. Please, I used to. Entire nations used to fear from the words that came out of my mouth. Entire Medinos used to tzitter, used to shake in my presence. al Kavodi, have on me and don't kill me as they did Ogog. Please kill me in an honorable way. Cut my head off in the way that they do the kings, the way they kill all the honorable people. Please do not kill me by hanging me. Now, you have to understand the insanity of this man at this moment. He knows he's dead. He knows he's dead, and I promise you, you're dead whether you're hung, you're dead whether your head's cut off, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. But not only does he care about how he's killed... He's on his knees begging Rachmanus from his arch enemy. This is the man who he would do anything not to give cover to. This is Mordecai who, he, who he had to, his knees were shaking when he found out that he had to give cover to this Mordechai. He's now on his knees another time begging, please have Rachmanus, don't kill me in an embarrassing way. Kill me in a prideful way, a way they're of cutting off the head, the way they killed the Don't hang me on a tree the way they kill low people. I think this is, not only is it enjoyable to, to hear, but I think it's a tremendous illustration about what happens when a person becomes sick with a desire for Kavud. Now, Baruch Hashem, for, for the average person, we don't have a tremendous taiva for Kavud because we're not exposed to the sister or cousin of that, which is Gaiva. On occasion, you do have people who are exposed to extraordinary amounts of gasa saleva, of arrogance, and extraordinary amounts of Kavud. And it's very important to pay attention to the pathology of the disease, because when you see how deviant and how sick a person becomes in a state, you get an inkling as to the damage of the mida. What happened is, this man became so involved in covered, became so self aggrandized became so important in his own mind, that covered was the essence of his being. Covered was what he lived for, covered was all that mattered to him, and now the thought that he's going to be dead, but not just dead in a in a coveted the commander, they're going to kill me as, as they do, the hamoniam was so troublesome that he got on his knees and begged, please, please, do, have al Rachmanus, have Rachmanus on my covered Again, it's important to see this because when you see the extraordinary extent that a person can get involved in a drive for covet and for G-d for arrogance, it's almost a lesson in terms of how, what effect it has. But again, this was the end of Haman, and this is his ending. He was hung as a common criminal, and in fact hung by no one else but his archenemy, by Mordechai Hatzadik. Periches opens up with, Bayomahu Melech Achashveresh Esther Malka. That day, Achashveresh was convinced. Now we actually, before we actually begin the Perich, I do want to mention one thing of, of interest about the Megillah in general. You find quite a number of times in the Megillah the concept of anger. Quite a number of times, we're told, so barabo. His anger burned within him. haman was filled with anger, and the melech kam v'chamaso. Quite a number of times, we we're exposed to the fact that both Haman and Achashverosh very, apparently, often were literally consumed with anger. Now, it's just an observation that's worth understanding that you and I go through life, and to be honest with you, I, I'm sure we get angry, listen, I've lost my temper, maybe I've raised my voice at times, but I don't know if I've ever could say about, vachama so barbo, my anger flamed within, Va'iksof, I was filled with fury, in other words, I don't think by the common person you see this, and I think the reason for this is very important to understand how anger works, and why, in fact, these people are far more likely than the average person to not just be angry, but to be filled with anger. And that is because there is a direct correlation, a direct, direct connection between gava and anger, between arrogance and anger. And really it's quite simple to understand. If I am a very important person, at least in my own mind, I am chashuv, I am important, I am big and prominent and do great honor. If you step on my toe, you stepped on a of important person's toe, do you know who you stepped on whose toe? Do you know what great aval you've done? My Shane Cain, if I'm a humble, simple person, alright, so you stepped on my toe, you insulted me, you dis- listen now, well, who am I anyway? Because there's such a direct connection, the more inflated your sense of self is, the greater your ego, almost by definition you're going to catch many more insults, you're going to be insulted to a much greater degree, and you're going to suffer a much greater amount of anger. It is almost a truism, the more arrogant you are, the more angry you will be. And the reason it's important to know is because Besides the Mitzvah say, the rice of working on one's Midos, besides the fact that the Gross says that's Hainu, that's the reason we put on the world, Tikkan Amidos is the perfection of the man, you should know if you want to enjoy your Olam Hazeh, if you want to enjoy your life here, it is a very worthwhile endeavor to work on your Midos. Because invariably what happens is and you have a man like Haman who has everything imaginable Rov, Osho, Bono, Vikinyanam, has everything he can ever imagine and yet it has no value to me it, has, it brings me no joy when I see Haman sitting in the Shahr HaMelech it literally fills me with such anger that I can't enjoy my steak. what that means is all of the wealth all of the covet, all of the honor if you have one bad midah you can enjoy nothing in this world Psalm Peraches begins. That day, right after the king killed Haman and the Hamas Amelch the anger of the king settled down. That day, Nasan Esther base Haman. That day, the king Achashverosh gave to Esther Hamalka base Haman, solar Hayyudim, the enemies of the Jews. Basically, with a transference of power, all of Haman's power. His wealth, his house, his property was transferred from, by Achashverosh to Esther Hamalka. Esther then transferred that to Mordechai. Mordechai, Mordechai came from the king because Esther told over what he was to her. Their relationship. Esther told her that she was an orphan, brought up by Bas Dodo, by, the, by her near relative Mordechai, who brought her up. At this point. <clears throat> the Melech took the ring, the signet ring that he took from Haman before Haman was killed. And he gave it to Mordechai. And then Esther placed Mordechai on Homan. Haman. At this point, Ahasuerus appoints Mordechai to now be the second in command. The same honor, the same kovud that was given to originally to Haman is now transferred from Haman to Mordechai, and in fact Mordechai is now the second in power, and he is the one who is put on not just the Malucha, but base Haman says the grah, that means the money, the great wealth of Haman was now given to Mordechai, Mordechai was second in power, he was extraordinarily wealthy, and he was now went out amongst the parts of the kingdom as the second in command to the king. But said Esther, Esther continued she spoke in front of the king she fell down in front of his feet see at this point all Ahasuerus granted was that Esther should be saved the base Homan should be given over to her and she thereby gave it over to Mordechai and Mordechai should be in power but the originally garris that placed the Jews' death date as Yud Gimel Ode was still in place so she now comes in to ask for rachamim for that. But she fell in front of Achashverosh's feet. But she began crying. But she begged Lahavir to pass. Esras hamanagogi, the wicked decree of Hamanagogi, and his that he thought about the king, about the Jews. At this point, she's now asking for her nation. She's now requesting to stop the geres. But again the king puts down the golden scepter. Meaning apparently she did not ask immediately. She came in another time. This time the Malach didn't actually have to push down the scepter. Apparently on his own she found great favor, he put down the scepter on his own. Esther Esther stood up, she stood in front of the king. Vatomer, she said, E if it is good it's for the king. We must also say chayin in And if I found favor in front of him, v'chasher adovel ifnei melech. And this matter is kosher, is good in front of the king. V'tovani ben einav, and I am good in his eyes. Yikasev, it should be written lashiv as svarim. It should be written to return the svarim. Machshavas Haman ben Amdusa, the machshava, the thought of Haman ben Amdusa, Agagim from Agagim line, ashe kasev la'abbi the Yehudim who wrote to destroy the Jews, ashe bechol medinas melech. That are all, that are all the kingdoms of the king. What she's asking for now is a major, major request. It's not just an issue that she's asking to save the Jews. Now let's keep in mind, it was clear that Ahasuerus was as much an anti-Semite as any other person, probably more than Haman. That part is not debatable. But apparently at this point already, there's been a Nehapachu, there's been a change around, and Ahasuerus is no longer as active and anti-Semite as he was, and he certainly doesn't look like he's going to kill the Jews. The Groh explains in a number of places in the Megillah that Hashem controls people's thoughts, and different winds that blow affects people's mindset. We might well guess that that's exactly what happened to Achashverosh. However, the request that Esther is making now of Achashverosh is very, very great. What she's asking for is not just that he shouldn't kill the Jews, but that he should undo the garrison that he sent out. Now the rule is that a king is never choser al devaro. We probably remember from the Gemara in Babbasra, where b'a says you're not allowed to destroy a shul until you bring another one in its place. The Gemara allowed a king, Babbu Buta, was allowed to destroy a base of to rebuild the uh, herdus. I'm sorry, was allowed to destroy the base of and to rebuild it. Why? Because the Chachamim say if a king says his words, a mountain will uproot, but a king won't be choser al devaro. A king typically does not go back on his word. What Esther was asking from Ahasuerus was to go back on his written proclamation. Because it was such a major request, she goes down on her knees and begins begging and pleading, etc. for this <coughs> for this request. continues Esther to say, how could it be Well, I see with the evil that has befallen my people? And how could I possibly... Watch, but Abdom in the destruction of my birth nation. This is read again in the Tract of Eicha, as the other Pesukim in the Megillah are. But Yomar Melacha the King Hashverush, said, "Estamalka to Estamalka, or Mordechai Yehudiy and to Mordechai Yehudiy." Now, note who made the request: Esther. <coughs> Esther walked into the throne room, and it's clear that Mordechai is not there. She went in alone and. He put down, Achashverosh put down the Sharbi Azov. When he responds, all of a sudden, the Apostle says he responds to Esther, Hamalka, and Mordechai Yehudi. Where's Mordechai come into the scene here? Says the Grah, Achashverosh recognized what's happening, and he immediately calls for Mordechai. Quick, quick, get Mordechai. Why Mordechai? Because he was afraid, says the Grah, that she was going to start crying again. Here she comes in. She bows down on the floor and she starts crying. And Achavir couldn't stop himself. Whatever she's going to ask, if she's going to cry. He quickly get get Mordechai here because at least Mordechai is here. At least he's not going to cry, and maybe I'll, uh, she'll be afraid to cry in front of him. bottom line is, I need support. He was so emotionally drawn just to stop her from crying. He calls him, he calls him Mordechai Hudi, and he says as follows: He named base Haman asathi Lester, I've given over the base Haman to Esther. Voso tolu and he. They hung on a tree. Because he sent his hands by Yehudim. Write about the Jews as is good in your eyes. In the name of the king. And sign it with the Tabas HaMelech. Because a a writing that was done in the king's name. And sign with the king's signet ring. Cannot be returned. Says Achashverosh to Esther and Mordechai, it cannot be done. I cannot be closer al davarai. However, says Achashverosh, if you watch carefully politically what's happening, you have nothing to be afraid of. I gave the base Haman. What did I do? Esther, you're the queen. Everyone knows you're Jewish. Mordechai, I elected to be my second in command. The base Haman, all of the glory that was given to Haman, I've given over now to Mordechai. Everyone knows that I love the Jews. Memele, the Goyim, are going to be afraid to kill the Jews. Therefore, what I recommend to you to do is as follows. Take my signet ring which you have, Mordechai. Write Iksav in the name of the Melech. Sign it in the name of the Melech. Write whatever you wish to defend yourself. He gave, he gave Mordechai the authority to write a Egerist to undo the first. They couldn't eliminate the first, but he could create an Egerist to challenge the first. Ba'ikaru, Sofra, Melech, the Sofra Amelch, the scribes of the king, wrote at that time, Ashlishi, in the third month of Chodesh which is Chodesh Sivan, on the twenty-third day they wrote all that Mordechai commanded to the Jews and all of the offices and those under them the the entire infrastructure the levels and levels of legislatures from 127 dinas each nation in the language and each nation in its tongue meaning there are two different issues the language as well as the formation of the letters Basically, there was an entire court-scribe system. In other words, I don't know how complex it was, but to communicate to 127 Medinas was a very involved, complex system. Because each Medina not only had its own language, but had its own lettering. So, to send out messages to all of the 127 Medinas, there had to be a whole court-scribe office where the proclamation was dictated and you had in each language, in each lettering system scribes would write it, but not just one copy because each medina needed quite a number of copies and it was, all had to be written by hand so apparently there was a whole printing office of the legislator of of the Parasamaday kingdom in any case they wrote it out by Yehudin, ke and all, to the Jews as well in their writing and their Lashonim now if you watch this Pesach what's interesting to note is that Esther originally came in front of the king the Chodesh Nisan we know that the entire activity all of the action of the perm story began on Yud Gimelisan, the three days of the fast were Yudala Tezvav and the very next day was when Haman was hung we're talking in Nisan now all of a sudden this Pesach tells us when the 23rd day of Sivan which is 70 days later says the Geraal why is it that they, there's a 70 day gap says the girl, actually Mordechai and Esther requested to wait they requested that we don't actually send out the Igeris for 70 days why? so the gross says two reasons number one Mordechai specifically wanted the very same Shluchim who brought the first Igeris to bring the second Igeris Mordechai said as follows if we're going to send out second Igerises people are going to say wait a minute the exact wording of the first Exactly contradictory, obviously, it's a forgery. Therefore, he waited for the very same Susim, the very same camels, the very same messengers, and he sent them with the identical Igeres, so that everyone should know the same messenger who brought the first Igeres brings the second one. They'll know it's not a forgery, but it's actually Meisamelach. The gross says the second reason why they wanted to wait was because even though the Kaisal had done a thorough tshuva during the three days of fasting, they wanted... Monachah and wanted the clients to complete the tshuva, to do 70 days, connected the 70 years of exile. Each day of the 70 days was one day, connected one year of the 70 years of exile. They wanted to have a complete tshuva, so they waited until the 70 days had passed. At this point, they stand in front of the king and they ask it They send out on the 23rd of Sivan, 70 days later. The passage goes on to say, "Va'yichto b'shem haMelech Achashverosh." It was written in the name of the king Achashverosh. Va'yachtom b'tabas a Melech and was signed with the signet ring of the king. Va'yishlof tsvarim bi'alaratzim. They sent out books with the hand of the runners. Basusim roch ve'harechesh. Those who ran very unusual steeds, or there, there were particular very quick horses. Achshtan, achshtan, achshtar taniim b'nei ramachim. The reason why I don't name. Um, the Min Gamalim Rashi tells us a very a particular type of camels who run very quickly. In any case, they quickly sent out the word. The word was that the king gave the right to the Jews, the ear of the ear, in each and every city, to gather, to defend themselves, to defend themselves different versions of exactly how to read that, but the point being, permission was given to the Jews to gather together, to defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and la'abed, as kol chel amu medina, the, all, of the, all of the armies of every nation of Medina, tsarim osam, who are enemies of them, taf venoshim, the children, infants, and women, ushlolom Lovos, and their property is to be taken as booty. The second Igaret matched exactly the first Igeret just like the first Igeret said so to this one said just like that one gave permission to the great wealth of the Jews to be transferred to Parasamadai so to this one gave permission to, of the Jews to take the wealth of the enemy, the Parasamadai the anti-Semites permission was granted for one day in all of the Medina Samelech the thirteenth day of Chodesh Odor. pasheg and HaKsat Das. An open Igeris. Oftentimes, the the king sent out messages in a very coded, very hidden manner. This was openly written. Lina Sein to give permission. Bechol Medina, Medina, each and every nation. Golilu revealed to all the nations. Liyos HaYehudim Asidim That the Jews should be prepared for this day. Remember, we're talking in Sivan, all the way forward to to order, meaning there's still quite a number of months we're not dealing with no longer 11 months forward but we're quite a number of months between the time that the Garrison ascend sent until Yud Gimel Yud Gimel Adr which is quite a number of months away permission is given to the Jews to take revenge from the enemies the runners the ones who run who ride these uh, these type of left rushed and pushed out with the word of the king, vadas Nisnam Mashushanabira. and the das was given out b'shushan The word spread. The original igarisses have a counter igeris The word spread that the Jews are to be saved at this point. The next pasuk says, Mordechai yotzam l'singam melech. Mordechai came out from the king, b'levush malchus, wearing royal clothing, techeles, purple now if you remember there is something from a little bit of history there is something called royal blue the monarchy of england each monarchy had their color the monarchy of england picked the color blue now no one was allowed to wear that color if you were not of royal lineage to which is a sort of, sort of purple sort of color was assumed by certain monarchs to be the royal color, and anyone who was not of royal lineage was not allowed to wear that color. So instead of royal blue, of the English monarchy, the of mother color was tcheles. Not only did he wear the vushmalchus, he was put on tcheles. He wore the tcheles v'chur v'terezav, and a golden, <coughs> a golden crown, gedola, a large golden crown, v'tachris, butz v'argaman, and a butz v'argaman cloak, v'ayir shushan salav The ir shushan was full of joy and simcha. Not only was Mordechai placed in a position of power, he wore the very unusual big day malchus that Haman himself had so been makana, had so been jealous of many years earlier, and with that royal garb, Mordechai Yotzam went out in front of the king. It was a clear sign that everything was to be reversed, and in fact... That now the Jews were to be successful and in power. Like To the Jews was light, joy, satisfaction. It was a wonderful time for the Jewish nation. In every nation, in every city. Any place where the word of the king and his das, his understanding, his rule reached Simcha Vesasam lihudim with joy and happiness to the Jews. Mishtev Yom Tov, drinking in a Yom Tov. Ve Rabim Me'am Mis'yahadim. And many of the Am'aretz were Yahadim, says Rashi, they became Megayron, they became Jewish. Kinofa Pachah Hudim Aleyim, because the fear of the Jews fell upon him. Now, during the time of Shlomo Melech, Shlomo Melech's Bezdin made a decree to prevent any more gayrim. They stopped accepting gayrim in the time of Shlomo Melech. And the reason was because in the time of David Melech rulership and thereafter in the time of Shlomo Melech's rule, Jews were so honored, the position of being a Jew was so coveted that many, many Goyim wanted to be megayer. They saw the glory, they saw the honor, they saw what an uprighteous, respectable, honorable people were the Jews. And therefore many, many Goyim wanted to be megayer. And Shlomo Melech said, Stop, it's enough. And they would not allow gayrim during the time of Shlomo Melech. Now apparently, what had happened in this time period was something similar. The Jews went from being a lowly exiled nation to be coveted, to being respected, to being looked up to, to such an extent that the possibility is very clear, that many, Rabbim Miyamearetz, many of the Goyim, was Miyahadim, became Jews. Why? Because Nafal yudim because the fear of Jews was upon them, and they greatly respected they greatly respected the Jews. I like to tell, as, a, as an aside, a very interesting observation. That is, a guy by all rights should have a great respect and almost a fear for a Jew. It's interesting to note. Oftentimes, by Gedolim, you've had that. There was a, there was a story. of David Lifschitz was a Rosh Yeshiva in YU in uh, in yeshiva. And if you know where Y.U. is located, it's in what's effectively Spanish Harlem. It's it's 181st in Amsterdam. It's a very, very bad neighborhood. He, as a little old man, would walk in an apartment not far in that neighborhood. And he would walk from his apartment to Yeshiva. And he used to tell over that when he would walk on the streets, the Puerto Ricans would get off the sidewalk. Because the rabbi was coming. And they would literally, you see, they'd walk off the sidewalk to allow the passing. Meaning, there is a concept, there is an idea when a person is an Ebed Hashem, when a person reaches Madregas, he is, there is a natural aura about him. And if a person is straight, a guy is not, doesn't corrupt himself, he will fear and respect that person. At this time, as previously in the time of Shomelof, there was, was such a fear, there was such a respect. And again, Rabbi Meyame Ares, Mishadim, <throat> many of the Ami was Miyadim because they greatly respected and feared the, the Jewish nation. Pertes continues, In the twelfth month, which is Chodesh Adar, In the thirteenth day of it. Now we've just jumped forward. We ended in sometime in Sivan, when the Igeris were sent out. We Then we learned that the Rabbi Mead there were various people who were becoming Jewish, but we now jump forward all the way till Adar, till in fact the the 13th day of Adar, which was the day that was slated to kill the Jews the day that it came for the Dvar HaMelech and his understanding to do the day that the enemies of the Jews were supposed to rule over them to be empowered over them and it was turned around and that in fact the Jews became rulers over their enemies. Now it's very interesting to note, there's a Rashi and a little bit earlier on Parathes who says that there's a particular a particularly obvious nahapuchu involved in this in the entire time period involved here. Everything here, it wasn't just that there was an obvious nace, it happened in a very clear manner, but there were many, many coincidences that were just too overt and too obvious for a person to deny the exact, in other words, whatever was on one side was flipped around to the other. So, for instance, Vashti was who was the queen. All of a sudden, in her place comes Esther. Achashverosh is decreed death because he used the kal and shonim, and all of a sudden, that death instead of being on her is on Vashti. Esther comes to power. Haman has the great wealth. And all the honor, all of a sudden Mordechai, his arch enemy, because he wouldn't bow down, is given the great wealth and, in fact, the, the great honor. The Goyim who were supposed to kill us all out were all killed out. But not just that, we'll soon see that the month itself, which should have been a time of great tragedy, was turned around to a great month and a time for the Jewish nation of celebration. Nikalo Yehudi the Jews gathered together in their cities, Buchomadino Samel Ach Akashirush, in all of the nations of Achashirush, the Yad b Mabak to put their hand in against to take up arms against those who were Mubaq Shura who tried to harm them. The Ish Lo Ahmad Bifnehem and no man stood either Bifnehem or Lifnahem Kinafo Pakta because their fear spread on all the nations. Now, you have to understand that actually what the Pesach is telling us here is a further nace over what we've heard up to now. The Jews are now in armed rebellion against the anti-Semites of the Parasamadai nation. Now, let's understand. What Ahasuerus said to Haman, what Achishver said to Esther, Mordechai, I'm sorry, was, I cannot return the original Ligeras. That word that was sent out is out. There's no way I can return it. I can't change that. However, I'm giving you permission to gather together the Jewish nation. I'm giving you permission to fight back. But that meant that there was to be an armed conflict. There was to be a war between the Jews and the anti-Semites. Now obviously, we, the Jewish nation, were in exile. We were vastly, vastly outnumbered. The anti-Semites of partisan Modai were armed, they were ready, they were equipped. So even if it's true that Ahasuerus gives us permission to fight back, all he did was he said, you won't be punished, you have the king's permission to fight back, but the anti-Semites of the region, obviously are going to wage war, so this should be, by all rights, a major, major battle, in which at least most, many Jews should be killed, really, by all rights, the Jews certainly should lose the battle, because if anything, in a straight armed rebellion, the first Higuerus gives permission, they're going to kill us, the second Higuerus gives us permission to fight back, who's going to win the war, but the POSIX says very clearly, not only do we win, but ishlo Mad Bif no man stood bithn'em or lithnaim, no man was able to stand against the Jews. There was nafal pachtam The fear of the Jews spread amongst the nation. There was again what seems to be a lamalamaderach and above the normal course of of natural events, there was a tremendous fear. There was a tremendous fear of the Jews. Obviously the Derachateva part of it is was what they fear in Mordechai, but the point is they couldn't even stand up for their life and they were slaughtered. And all of the offices of the Medinos and the offices below them, and all of the ones who worked in the king's in the king's government. treated the Jews with honor, because the fear of Morchai fell upon them, and it says Morchai because Morchai is great in the king's palace. And his name goes to all of the medinas. The word of Mordechai was spread. because the man Mordechai was holech His name spread, his reputation spread, and everyone knew about Mordechai Hayhudi being the Mishneh Lamelech. Vayakar Yehudi the Jews killed amongst all of their enemies. Makasherav v'herig v'abdam, a slaughtering, a of a sword, herring killing, v'abdam, and destruction. Vayasum is name and they did to the enemies as they wished. There was a total, complete romp. There was no fight. There was no battle. The Jews walked in and destroyed their enemies. Bishushan Abira, in Abira, Hargo Yehudi v'abed. The Jews killed and obliterated Hameshme Osish, five hundred men, the S and now we're going to hear about some of the kill esparshandosa the Dalphon, Vesas Posa, Ves Parasa, Ves Adlaya, Vesaridos, Parb Shasa, Vesarisai, Vesarida, Vesvaivosa, Asseris Bene Homan Ben Amdosa, Sorehar Yudim, Hargum. They killed the ten sons of Haman. Now typically people misunderstand what's happening here. People assume that Homan's 10 sons were killed by hanging. Now we do know that these 10 sons are read achas. When we read the Megillah, we read them with one breath. The Balkore takes a breath before he begins and reads them in one breath because the Gemara tells us they were all killed achas In one breath, they all died. However, they were not hung. They did not die by hanging. They died in battle. They were killed in battle. We'll see. Only later on does Esther ask for them to be hung. They were killed in battle, and it was an amazing nase that, despite the fact they were in all different parts, all different areas, they all died beneshim achas in one breath. They all died again. One more part of the nase. The ten sons of Homo killed Sorei the enemy of the Jews. Hargu they killed Ubabiza Lo Shalchu Yoddam. However, the Jews did not touch the booty, the great wealth of the both the Bnei Homan, as well as the 500 people the Jews did not touch. And the reason the Gro explains to us, because they were afraid that Ahasuerus would get angry. If they kill out the Goyim, and they take their wealth, they were afraid that Ahasuerus would look at them, why are you doing this? Obviously, you're doing this because you want their money, you're looking for their wealth. Therefore, Babiza, even though the Geras gave them permission, they were given 100% permission to take the wealth, they didn't do it because they wanted Achashverosh not to be upset with them. So therefore, again, the pasuk says they didn't take any of the wealth. But Yomah, that day, ba mispa harugin <laughs> b'shushan That day, the number of those killed in Shushan abiru was brought in front of the king. But Yomah melach <laughs> l'ester amalka. The king said to Esther amalka b'shushan abiru in Shushan abiru haruah yehudim vabein chamei shmei In Shushan, the Jews killed chamei shmei five hundred men v'sedarz bene Haman and the ten sons of Haman Bisham, Medina in the other Medina's of the nation, what have they done? Uma shailaseh, what is your request? Lach, it will be granted to you. Uma sah Vete and what else do you wish for? And it will be granted. Now what's interesting is that the actual what was actually happening here is that Akash meant one thing different than what came out of his mouth. What he meant to say was, Oh my goodness, what's happening to my Malucha? In Shushan alone. They killed 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman. The 10 sons of Haman were very prominent and important people. Haman had gathered for himself a power base. Haman was a malucha within the malucha. And he had a whole infrastructure of government. His 10 sons were all honorary and all great men in the Medina. So Ahasuerus said, my goodness, in Shushan, the capital, they killed 500 people. and The 500 people were very important, significant people. Bechol Medinos Melach. who knows what else is happening in all the other Medinos. Meaning, Achat Shverish meant to say, you're probably killing out in all the other Medinos half of my melucha. I want it to stop now. But Bederach Neis, his words came out, not as he meant to. His words came out, they killed 500, and in the other nations, I don't know what they've done. And then, almost against his will, he said the rest of the sentence, Ma bakashasech od vateas, what else do you want? What else are you asking for? But Tom Esther as to say, If it is good for the king, And she'll be given tomorrow as well to the Jews who are in Shushan, hayom. To do as they have done today, b'nei haman And the ten sons of Haman shall be hung on a tree. She's asking for, Number one, Allow the Jews of Shushan to continue killing out their enemies, And number two, Hang the ten sons of Haman on a tree. Now note, the ten sons of Haman are dead. They're already dead. We heard about that. They all die in Nishimachas. But Esther was looking for a particular thing. She wanted to show all of the Medinos that this power base, Haman and his ten sons, the enemies of the Jews, are dead and embarrassed. And what's interesting is the Targum Sheni says that she was very particular in the way they should be hung. The 50 ama tall tree that Haman had prepared to kill Mordechai was still Bashar base Haman. She requested that the ten sons along with Homan should be hung from that tree. Now, the Targum machine explains to us, the first three Amas of the fifty Amabim were implanted in the ground for support. Then, she said, hang them, string them up along in the following method. Three armor for the person, then one armor between each person. Three armor for the next person, one armor for the next person. So that along the 44 armors, you had Haman and his 10 sons, which meant the 44 armors. You had the three armors that were sunk, and three armors off the bottom should be the last person's feet, so that everyone should see. What's interesting is that not only did they hang, but some of the Paras and Modai citizens came to complain to the queen why did that you hung them we understand but why are they left hanging? why are they left hanging day after day? to which the Targum says that Esther said listen historically we've seen people hang for three months, for six months let them hang forever Now, it's not clear how long Esther actually left them stay, but apparently their flesh rotted on their bones as the day after day, it was a spectacle that they hung and their flesh was decimated. They were eaten up in their death state over there because Esther was sending out a message that the reign of the anti-Semites, the reign of the haters of the Jews is over, and not just over, but to be publicly embarrassed and hung in this manner. But Yomer Melachli also came. The king said, "To do such, you have permission." But in nothing Beshushan, and the knowledge, the Allah was given to Shushan. And the ten sons of Haman were killed. For Yekalei Yehudi, and Hashem the Jews in Shushan gathered together. Gam Arbas Am Arba'ah Lachodesh, as well as the thirteenth yesterday, on the fourteenth today as well, they gathered. For Yehargu Beshushan, and they killed the Shushan Shloshmi Yosish. 300 men. Additional to the original 500, but they did not touch the spoils of these people. They didn't touch the wealth of these people. The rest of the Jews that were in the Dina Semelech, and gathered together and stood on their life. The Noah had a rest, a respite from their enemies. They killed amongst their enemies. They killed 75 Thousand of their enemies they did not put their hand in the spoil now let's understand something in the 127 Medinas there were far more than 75,000 anti-Semites it's very very easy to find anti-Semites in any good Ganish nation these 75,000 were the leaders and the, the shakers and the movers amongst those who hate the Jews in each city, in each year there were particular rabble-rousers, the particular leaders who led the fight against the Jews, who would have killed out the Jews the 75,000 were the leadership of the anti-Semites the entire leadership was killed out, so that now there was nothing left of the those who had wanted to fight against the Jews, and now the, the Jews were left yet they did not touch the Biza, they didn't touch the, uh, their booty again for the same reason that they did not want to get Ahasuerus angry <speaking in Hebrew> They did this on the thirteenth day. Meaning Shushan it was the thirteenth and the fourteenth. In the other areas it was only the thirteenth. Vanoh, Bar they rested on the fourteenth. 14th. Vasos The fourteenth, they made a day of drinking and celebration, they're parting. The Yehudi Shushan, the Jews in Shushan, Nikola or Baabasabo. The Jews in Shushan, they gathered together to fight against their enemies. On the 13th and the 14th of Adar. So they were Noach bar They rested on the 15th. So they made the 15th a day of Mishta V'simcha. The next passage continues. The Jews of the surrounding areas. Who live in the cities of the surrounding areas. Also, so, they make the, day, the 14th day of Khodesh Adar. A day of Simcha U Mishter, they have Simcha Mishter Yom Tov, and they make a Yom Tov, or Mishloach manos ishurei, or the sending of manos ishurei. Now, originally it was a Yom Tov. We now have put it not as a Yom Tov, but as a you may Mishter of Simcha. Originally, the first generation wanted it to be a Yom Mamish, Yom Tov, at least to Rabbanan, but that part wasn't accepted. Now, we'll soon see Mishloach manos ishurei. There is a diac in the pasuk many of shown in Paskin that the only way to fulfill Mishloach Manas is exactly as the Pasuk says meaning the Mitzvahs of Purim are learnt out from the Megillah if you look in the lashon of the Pasuk it says Mishloach manos, the sending of Manas many of Rishonim learn that Mishloach Manas is done via shliach. it's not sufficient to send out food to your friend it should be done via shliach, and Mishabur brings it down and it's at least to be owed to the Mitzvah at least one package one Said to one, you know, two foods. to one friend should be done. Ide shleach. Mordechai is wrote these very words. Says Rashi, this megillah, this megillah we're now reading. Mordechai wrote these very words. but He sent swarim. He sent books, megillah, to all of the Jews. Asher so were all in all of the medinas and all of the nations of the king of khshirsha khovin varhokem those that are far away and those that were close the chayim to fill upon them the ossim to make a sham al asher adar to make the 14th of adar besham khamis shesabo and the 15th day of adar bekhoshanu beshanat to celebrate both the 14th and the 15th chayomi mashnachu bayam hayudim bayam like the days that the jews rested from their enemies vekhodesh sheshanapach lahem and the month that was changed around Myog al Simcha from great from great pain, from great sadness. So Simcha to joy, Om Avil Yom and from from mourning to Yom Tov Laso some ye may Mishdev Simcha to make them days of Mishdev Simcha O Mishloch Mona S sending out Mona's man to his friend, Umar avyonim, and presents to poor people. It's from this Pesach that we learn out all of the dinim of the, may, of the day of Purim. For instance, this Igeris that Mordechai sent out said as follows, You should make these days you may Mishta. From here the Gemara says, the Ikas Sudath Purim has to be during the day. One who eats the Purim sude at the night is not, does not fulfill his Mitzvah, because the Pesach says you may Mishta. Additionally, the Pesach says, Mishloch monos ish l'ree'eu. Mishloch monos means two. Monos is plural. Ish l'ree'eu, man to his friend. From here you learn out that you have to send two food types. One man to his friend. Meaning if you, One man sends two foods to one friend. He's Yod mitzvah. Umatanos presents plural avyonim, to plural poor people. Two presents to two avyonim, to two poor people. And in fact, from here, the Gemara learns out all of the dinim of the of the Purim days, Nitzas. The Kiva Yehudim, the Jews accepted, Esa she'echel olasos, that which he began doing, Ve'es ashe'kas of Mordechai eleim, and that which Mordechai wrote upon them. Ki Haman ben Abdos agogi because Haman the son of Abdos the agogi Sore kol Yehudim, the enemy of all the Jews, Chashav la Yehudim thought about the Jews to kill them, ve'yepil pur hu'agoral, and he spun the dice, put the lot, which is the goral hu'mam u'la'abdom, to destroy them and to kill them. And when he came in front of the king, he said, "With the book, Yashu makshav to let us undo his makshav a that he wanted to do to the Jews. Al rosho, give it back. That what he wanted to do, give it back on his head. But and they hung he and his son on the tree. Al Purim. Therefore, these days we call Purim al shema Pur because of this lot. Now, it's very interesting to note. I'll stop just for a moment here that the name Purim, again, is because of the lots. Now we typically, Western men, who are very sophisticated in science and empirical knowledge, are unaware of tremendous amounts of kohos, of forces that Hashem put into the world. We mentioned earlier, that what Haman was actually doing, was Hippopur, was not just the spinning of the dice, not just the bingo lottery, what he was actually doing was, was tapping into forces that Hashem placed into the world. Hashem placed Kochos amazolos, forces in the world that control destiny. Mazel is something that before a person is born, born a person is given a Mazel, each nation is given a Mazel, that Mazel controls the destiny. What Haman was doing was looking for the fortuitous time. He was looking for the time that it would be possible to kill the Jews, looking for the time that it would be most successful. When he spun the lot, he was actually quite sophisticated in what he was doing, and he discovered the worst time for the Jews the most opportune time to kill the Jews is Yud Gimel Adar and in fact he was right we're going to see very soon that the month itself was a time that was destined that was slated for death to the Jews it was a bad time for the Jews Yud Gimel Adar was in fact the day that was bad for the Jews it was all changed around it was all changed around because of the Christ's tshuva Hashem was changed around the Mazel. And it's very significant, we call it Purim, because the Pur that he spun was actually significant in understanding the times and what was happening and what it was supposed to be. And the Kaisos Chuvah was so great and so effective that it changed around the very mazel, the very destiny of the day itself. The apostle continues to say, Al Cain, Al Divri, Geris, Azos, therefore, on the words of the Zageris, "Umaro Akacha, and what they saw in this, Umagi Aleim, and what came to them. Rashi says that part of reading the Megillah, one is supposed to see what happened to each person because of what they did. Because Ahasuerus used the clay kodesh, the Sutton was given permission to Merakid and Vashi died. Because Homan had jealousy of Mordechai, he was destined to hung. Because Haman, because Mordechai would not bow down, not lo he was given to great Gedula. These are all parts of what a person should understand when they read the Megillah. Kimu Yehudim, the Jews accepted El Makabal, Says the Gemara, Kimu that the Kabbalah that the Kli did at this time was actually greater than the Kabbalah Sator and Har Sinai. The Gemara tells us that the Kabbalah Sator and Har Sinai nidla lemhar held over the mountain over their head like held like a barrel, meaning they were told if you don't accept the Torah Shamti aqurah you'll be buried here. The Jews reached a higher madrigal during Purim. It was such a clear revelation of Hashem's hands. It was such a Yeshua that the Kaiser saw Hashem with a greater clarity than they had at Harsinai. Kimu v'kibla Yehudim, the Jews accepted. Aleim Malzarim upon them and upon their children. nilvim and even upon the Gerim of future generations. The Kabbalah was so strong that even Gerim whom a Geyer in future generations are bound to this. V'lo it shall not pass. They should make these days, as they're written, in their time, in each and every year. Says the Rambam: From here, you see as follows: of the base will be rebuilt, Mashiach will come. All other holidays will be annulled. There will be no read, reason to study them. There will be no reason to keep the other Yom Tovim. They will be annulled, except this one will not be. This holiday Purim will continue even at time of Mashiach, because the message is something that is more powerful than even the other Chagim. And from here, the Gemara says, that the Megillah was written Baruch HaKodesh. How did Mordechai, how did Esther know that this holiday would never pass? How did they know it was going to be? It was written Baruch Kodish That this particular Chagim Purim was set for, for eternity. These days, Niskarim Venasim, are mentioned and done in each and every generation family, family, family Medina, Medina nation and nation, country country Ear, of ear, city of city these days of Purim lo Yehudim will not pass from the Jews and their remembrance will not leave from the from the next generations of Jews but and Esther the Malka, the daughter of Avichael, and Mordechai Yehudi, has called Tokif. all of this. This is where we're told that Esther and Mordechai wrote the Megillah. To Mekayim, the second Egeris Apurim. There was a the first one, the first one was the Yeshua, the second one was telling over the Nase. And they were told to, were told to spread this particular one out, to spread it to all the Jews. They sent out books to all the Jews, El Shev, Eshim, to 127 Medinas, Malchuch Achashverush, the kingdom of Achashverush, Divre Shalom, the Emes, Divre the Emes, the Kaimish made Purim Eilat, to fulfill, to keep the days of Purim, Bizmaneim in their times, Kashiachim, Alem, Mordechai Hudi, as Mordechai Hudi kept, Vester, Malch, and Esner, Malka the Kashiachim, or Nafshim, as they accepted upon their Nefesh, on their selves. Valzarmen on the children, the fasts, and they're crying. Basically, this passage is telling us that Esther Amalka wanted Purim to be a little different than it is now. She wanted to add three days of fasting prior to Purim. In the time of the Yeshua, we would go there three days of fast. She wanted for Doros there to be three days of fast. The Chachamim were not accepted. They can't. The Kli cannot stand it, and therefore the next pasuk says, "Umarma Esther kiim." The word of Esther was kept. Divriya Purim B'Sefer. The Divriya purim, mean referred to keeping Purim, referring to the Sefer. That part was kept and written in the book. But the first request of keeping the so much the three-day fast was not kept. That we have Tiny Esther is more in memory, somewhat of that, but more importantly in in memory of the war, because it's a kind of from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu of fasting the day prior to a war. Perigud, just to continue and finish off the Megillah. Perigud continues. Before we actually begin Paragyud, it's also very important to note that there was a great debate amongst the Chachamim not wanting the Zagaret to be sent out. As a matter of fact, Esther asked that the Zagaret be sent out and the Chachamim said, no, don't do it. The reason why she wanted it spread out is she wanted the Jews to know it, and they wanted it to become part of the Kisver Kodesh. In fact, this is, this Igeris, Megillus Esther, is part of a Ksuvin. The Chamin wanted to prevent it from happening, and their logic was very firm. Their logic was, we're going to spread out this word amongst the Goyim, and the entire Egeris is filled with words of Busha to Hamun and words of Busha to Achashverosh. All of the Goyim amongst whom we live are going to see the Busha brought to HaShverosh, the Busha brought to Haman, and now we're powerful, but in future generations we're going to be hated for it, and it's going to bring vast amounts of anti-Semitism. To which Esther answered back, we'll see in Perugyud, what she answered back in the last pasuk. Perugyud begins, The king HaShverosh placed a tax on the land and the various... and the various... Island nations. Now you have an obvious question when you see a pasuk like this. If he's the king, obviously he has taxes. What is the pasuk telling us? It says the girl of The pasuk telling us something unusual. From the moment that Mordechai became second in command, Achashverosh's kingdom flourished beyond what it had before. Similar to when Yosef became second in power to Paro, and Paro saw of Aish Yosef matzleach. Anything Yosef touched had tremendous matzlocha. The minute Mordechai came into power. Ahasuerus' kingdom flourished and had great success to the extent that he was now able to tax lands and islands that he previously had been unable to. Remember, in the third year the Melucha were told that he rules over 127 Medinas. The Megillah Storm taught us that 118 Medinas had just prior to that been taken from him. He had earlier been the Melech kola Olam, the, world, the the world's king, the world's emperor, he had lost 118 medinas, from the year 3 all the way till year 12, till the end of year 12, that is his state, only after Mordechai comes to power, now he begins taxing the other lands, why? Because he was so powerful and so feared that he told the other lands that he didn't quite rule over yet, you must begin paying taxes, and they willingly obeyed. V'chomas, the takfo, and all of the acts of his great glory, of his power, Grosso and his honor, of prays as Mordechai and the extent of the greatness of Mordechai? Shegidlo Gidlo that the king made him great. Ksuvim al Yomim are written in the Chronicles of the kings of Ma This was the answer that Esther said to the Chachomim. The Chachamim said, "We do not want you to write this Agares of Purim. We don't want this to be written because the guy are going to hate us." Says Esther, "It's not going to matter." It's already written in the chronicles of Mahdi It's already in the history books. The Egeris is not going to add anything. The anti semitism of material anyway. It's written up. The only difference is, if we write it as an Egeris, the Jews will have it for generations, and it will be part of the Kisya Kodish. The last passage says, Ki Mordechai Yehudi, because Mordechai, the Jew, Mishneh HaMelech is a second in command to the king HaChashverosh. The God of is Yehudim, he's great to the Jews. The Rotzuli desired by most of his brothers. He seeks the good of his nation. And he speaks peace to all of his brothers. Now, a very, very critical and key Rashi on this. Rashi quotes down the Gemara that makes a diuk. That Mordecai Yehudi was God of Yehudim. He was known as great amongst the Jews. Accepted by most of his brothers. Rashi says, Not all of his brothers. Rashi quotes the Gemara that some of the Sanhedrin left him. And the Sanhedrin brought a Raya from a Pesach. Hashem apparently treated him as if he wasn't the same man. Says Rashi, Why? If he should Malchus. Because he became close to the king via botomito he stopped learning. Meaning Mordechai Yehudi was the Rosh Sanhedrin. He was now put into a position of power where he had to be involved in the affairs of state. Now make no mistake about it, the man kept siddurim. the man was a Torah Jew, he was a godless roll, he was a tzadik. But he was not he was no longer involved in full time learning. So Miksa Sanhedrin, some of the Sanhedrin left him, they no longer treated him with the covered because he wasn't the man that he used to be. Now this is a very very important Haskelfic concept over here. Because there is no question that Mordechai did exactly what he should have done. There's no question that a great great Yeshua came to the Chai'shall because of Mordechai. Not only did he save the Jews initially, but if he's wealthy, given great honor, Mishnah Lamelech, he's the second most powerful man in the kingdom. The Jews are safe. So there's no question that if he would have asked any of these gadolim, what should I do? Of course, you should accept the role. Of course, you should accept the position. However, Lamaisa he's mivatel from Torah; he's not learning the same, and therefore, Miksa Sanhedrin part of Sanhedrin left him. Paskins the Gemara, from this event: gadol tal mitorah meitzalas It is greater to learn than it is to save lives. Even though, of course, you have to save a life if you're walking by a river and you see a person drowning of course you have to jump in and save the person but it happens to be if you want to know in balance on balance what is a greater act what do you accomplish more while well, you do you accomplish more by learning Torah it's interesting there's a famous story of a yeshiva in Europe where a fellow a very similar event to that happened a young fellow was walking to yeshiva that day and he comes into the basement dripping wet what happened was he passed by a river and it was a Jew drowning, he jumped in, risked his life, and literally saved the Jew's life, pulled him out. And he comes into Yeshiva, and the guy seemed dripping wet, he said, what happened? With a big smile, he told Baruch Hashem, I got the chance to the the foshes, I saved the Jew. The mashkiach noted it. And a while later, came over to the fellow privately and said, you should know something, I think you're making a mistake. What you did is 100% proper. Of course, tamar adam re'echa, you're obligated. If you walk by a drowning Jew, of course you're obligated to jump in and save him. However, you were very happy. And from the way you walked into the basement, it looked to me that you felt that you accomplished a great thing, much greater than had you been sitting and learning. However, you should know that because you were there, you had to jump in. However, had you not been there, Hashem would have found the Yeshua for this person somewhere else, and your schah would have been greater. Had you been learning during that half hour, that 20 minutes, your schah would have been greater. And the fact that Hashem presented that to you is not something you should be happy about. In fact, it's something I was taking away from you. And in fact, this is a very important concept to understand. Hashem runs the world. Hashem doesn't need us to run the world. We have to act. That means if I have an opportunity to save a Jew's life, I have to do everything in my power to do it. I also have to know that the chashivas of Limit is more chashiv than anything else. There's nothing on the face of the planet that matches it. And again, the mix Sanhedrin, despite the greatness of Mordechai, despite all that we owed Mordechai, mix Sanhedrin partial menu, because Ilmaisa was not who he used to be. For more information about the Ferris B'nai Torah and the Shmooz, or to listen to the Shmooz online, please visit us at www.theshmooz.com or call 1-866-613-Torah.